Hi, thank you for listening to Black to School. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Cindy McFarlane and I'm your host. This episode of Black to School surrounds the Black athlete narrative and the implications it has on college campuses. Before we begin the episode, I want to focus on some of the historical context around the idea of the Black athlete. With its roots back in slavery, Black people, men especially, were seen as physically stronger than their white counterparts. This translated into a spectacle surrounding Black athleticism in the early 20th century when Black boxer Jack Johnson beat a white man. People began to travel from all over to watch Johnson fight. Fast forward today, we see Black men dominating physical sports from boxing to basketball to football. Young Black men grow up with hoop dreams, a term coined to describe the idealistic dream of making it as an NBA athlete after growing up in poverty. Many colleges recruit black athletes, and it's a great way to get scholarships to fund their education. The problem often lies in how those black athletes are treated when they get on campus. The toll sports play on them physically and mentally are often overlooked by coaches just seeking another championship. Keep listening to hear Elise Lartigue, women's soccer player, talk about her collegiate athlete experience at George Mason University. Hello, welcome Black to School. My name is Cindy McFarland and I am your host. Today I'm joined with student athlete, IT major, Elise Lartigue. Hi. Elise, start by introducing yourself. Where did you go to school? Where do you go to school? What's your major? What were you involved in? Just give us a little spiel. All right, so my name's Elise Lartigue. I went to school last year for the 2021 to 2022 school year. I went to George Mason, and I played women's soccer there. I did transfer to Anne Arundel Community College this semester, this school year, just because of all the stuff that happened at George Mason, which we will get into later. My major is IT, and I'm loving it. Okay, great. I just want to start by asking why you initially chose George Mason. Like, what was it that appealed to you? I chose George Mason originally because I like their engineering program, and it's near D.C., so I knew I would have a lot of job opportunities and internships. And I also did, like, the girls on the team at first from first experience, but, <laughs> you know, some things just don't work out. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, you especially had a hard college decision-making process. Do you want to talk about what it was like having so many offers from different schools and trying to kind of pick and sort through them about which school would be best for you and your college athletic career? Yeah, so my recruitment process was a little complicated because usually for soccer athletes, especially women's soccer athletes, it's important to be recruited. Like your prime time of recruiting is that spring semester of your junior year of high school but that's when COVID happened and schools didn't reach out because they weren't allowed to NCAA made these rules for D1 schools not to reach out it took like I think six months for me to play again and get seen by coaches again during this time I was still talking to uh, colleges but it was hard for them to see me play because of COVID and the restrictions that they implied on them so I just kept reaching out after NCAA roles changed and said that they were allowed to come to tournaments that's when I started playing my best and getting recruited by schools it was hard to choose a school because I'm a very indecisive person I think I just narrowed it down to what was best for my major and who I liked the best I did choose George Mason pretty late I committed 
a week before preseason actually and that was <laughs> really lucky because that usually does not happen so I was very grateful for that opportunity. What was your freshman year like from practices, school, juggling all of it, your social life? Like, Just run us through freshman year. How would you describe it? Okay, so I got to preseason camp around July 29th, I think, and we finally started on August 1st. Since I had um, committed so late, I didn't have a dorm yet. I actually stayed at home, and I committed for like a week. I drove an hour. I woke up at 5 in the morning to get there at 6 to get to lift by 7, and that was tough, but it was only a week, and then they found my dorm, and everything was arranged. Um, preseason was good. Well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It was bad, but it, was, <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. Um, and they just kept us in shape, really. The coach was really nice at this point. We had team bonding. Preseason wasn't bad. We had a couple games before the season started where I played and everybody played. At first, it was a little hard, I'm going to be honest, to juggle classes, soccer, and a social life. They do set you up with good sources to help you with your education while you're in athletics I had to have eight hours of study hall a week and study hall was across campus from my dorm so I'd usually like get a ride there or take the bus but they put you in a room where (laughs) everybody else is supposed to be studying but it's pretty distracting so um they had the individual study rooms that I used just to keep up with my major because I had to take five classes at the time because I committed so late and that was the basics of when school first started. Um, there was so much freedom. I was not used to it. Uh, I had to learn to make really tough decisions knowing that I had a game the next day or practice the next day. So I missed out on a lot of um, opportunities before uh, for when school started. We had this Oxford Wars thing that was fun that I went to. But other parties and everything, like, I missed out on that, like, the first two months of school, which I wasn't mad about because I committed for soccer. It was towards the middle of the season where I realized how unhappy I was and how the coach was making me feel, and I wanted to get a new experience, but I just kept hoping, holding, holding out hope that it would get better and I think most part of it was because it was a new experience for me. You know, when you have new experiences, it takes you a while to get comfortable. And then part of it was because I knew I was better than what was happening. And that was hard on my mental state. But I had really good friends there that kept me company and encouraged me and kept me focused and to do my schoolwork. My coach was actually my biggest factor of me leaving George Mason. He messed with my head so much. It ruined my confidence. I wasn't doing well in school. My grades started slacking. My mental state went down. Um, I started just have, like just committing to my social life and just putting all my problems uh, behind me and hiding. Mm-hmm. And then spring semester after winter break I like came back home I regrouped uh I realized like I can't keep doing this so I focused more on school my second semester than soccer one because we weren't in season two because I knew I had to get good grades (laughs) to please my mother and me of (laughs) course (laughs) um that's when I started to 
focus on school and get the hang of things. Like I would set a time, uh, not just study hall time, but I would set a time time at my dorm just to do my homework before I did anything. And then my um, upperclassmen, KK and Dashka, they were the best upperclassmen any freshman could ask for. They kept me on a straight line. Second semester, they helped me with my homework. They drove me places. Like it really just comes down to community. Uh, to survive your freshman year because it is a challenging experience not just for athletes but regular students as well because you're put into a new environment so I just wanted to stay in contact with them be around people who want to help me and are doing the right thing because it is easy to drift off into not doing the right thing because of all that freedom that you have um, especially leaving home but my freshman year was very complicated (laughs) I eventually ended up leaving George Mason because I realized that what was benefiting me was not uh, was not what I needed to survive as at college. If I'm being honest, my coach um, was abusive mentally. Um, I didn't like it at all. I knew it wasn't helping me. I knew I had to get out of there because I didn't. I got into a deep hole where. I didn't even want to get out of bed to do go to class or do homework. And I was like, I can't live out of college like this. And finally, I just entered the transfer portal because this, being in an athletics program at college, that's half of your experience. And if half of your experience is good and the half is bad, then it's not going to add up. Like, I want an equally good experience on both sides. Yeah, I think when I first heard about this happening to you, it was very awkward as like a friend because it's just like you're so far away and we all are like going through our freshman year experience and hearing like you have such good friends like you're really enjoying school but practices twice a week the coaches are super hard on you and you're just struggling to come out of like this hole basically because your sport is such a big part of your identity mm-hmm. and seeing you struggle with your coaches and your team and just not have an overall like fun time was upsetting especially since your scholarship is like partially academic and partially athletic it was just like you can't just back out of it and have a good time at school and you wanted to play it was just the circumstances around it were especially hard and so like how was getting like the mental help that you need how did you find like that aspect of support like the mental health of athletes at that school in particular did you feel supported did you go and get help like what was that like so at first I did feel supported because they um recommended a counselor for me when I opened up about my mental health issues but then they started not playing me because of my mental health issues Mm -hmm. and they blamed that and that's when I was like, I don't really feel supported anymore. And also the counselor I was seeing didn't really help me. She gave me PDFs on how to deal with anxiety. And didn't really, I didn't feel like she wanted to talk to me. So I just stopped going in general. And really, it was just like, my mental state wasn't better in the spring, but I could handle it better. Um, I kind of just put it aside until... Uh, until the end of the school year, honestly, if I'm being honest, because I didn't have time to think about my mental health. I was waking up at 5 in the morning, lift at 6, uh, get to the locker room at 6. We had lift at 7 to 8. We had practice from 9 to 11, and then I had class, and then I had study hall. So it's like I would leave my dorm at 5 in the morning and not get back till maybe, like, and I would have class until um, 
six or some nights even ten because of my schedule for soccer. You can't schedule um, classes during practice times and usually from like 8 a.m. to like 12 a.m. Those are classes that I usually attend because I like to get my classes done in the beginning of the day and just be done with it. But I couldn't do that. So I had to sign up for a couple seven to ten classes, which was awful. But um, I got the credit eventually. But my school days were always like 5 a.m. Maybe like if I didn't have to go to study hall Uh, and you can only get three hours of study hall each day. So I could only do like three hours one day, three hours another day. But I wouldn't even spend three hours there because I just couldn't get work done because there were so many people I knew in that room. And I'm a social person. So when people would talk to me, I would talk back. And that's how I kind of dealt with my mental health. It wasn't really fixed or it wasn't getting better. It was more of just uh, focusing on other things other than my mental health, which in the long run doesn't help. It wasn't until I came home in the summer that I started getting the help I need for my mental health because I opened up to my mom and she found a therapist for me. And, like, I was happy about that. But um, the, the, every, school should have the school should have helped. The school, the athletics program should have helped. Um, my coach should have helped instead of not playing me because of my mental health issues, which other people on my team were going, uh, were struggling through um, as well. But they weren't not playing it was only me and I didn't understand that and I felt like I was being singled out so I just put it aside until summer if I'm being honest because during you don't have time to think about your mental health you don't like if you if you'd have take the time to think about your mental health something would drop like soccer would have dropped or school would have dropped and I couldn't really allow myself to do any of that so I kind of just hung with my friends who were doing dealing with the same things and we kind of talked about it and eventually all my friends leaving ended up leaving George Mason as well so yeah I can definitely relate to that even though I'm not playing sports it's just being on campus and having so many clubs you're a part of you're going to class you're trying to hang out with your friends you're have so much homework and it's like you're never really removed from the school aspect of college and you just think there's always that you need something that you need to be doing because you're there it's just like the hustle mindset I I usually call it mm-hmm. and so when you're so focused on like doing everything you kind of take a sidebar like how am I doing now yeah. and I also think that like if I really took the time to like evaluate <laughs> how I'm feeling that I will just like not be able to succeed and perform as well as I am right now just like pushing it away isn't helping but like what else am I supposed to do like I still need good grades I still need to succeed in school but if I really like am honest with myself I need to take time off to recruit yeah and I remember it was one game where I was just struggling so bad but I didn't want to think about it because we were away at a tournament, we were in, um, I don't know, I think we were playing St. John's, and uh, we were in the hotel, and I was just, I was I was really struggling with depression at this point, and I just remember just crying, and like crying for like two hours, and eventually I passed out, and they had to get the trainer, and I it was, it was like, they said that I had a panic attack, but I really, I don't remember much of it, because I blacked out, mm. because I was just crying so much, and I was dehydrated from all the tears, but um after that I was never looked at the same by my coaches I felt like and I felt like that played a reason of why I didn't play too and I was like it didn't really feel like they were discouraging mental health but it didn't feel like they were helping either Mm. 
And it's like, if you don't care about me as a person, then why am I going to give 100% effort on the field? You know what I mean? So it's like, basically, they only cared about my legs. That if That's how it felt like. And it's hard to play for someone who doesn't really care about you as a human being because it's like, you just feel like you're being used at that point. Like, yeah, you're paying for my education. You're paying for me to be here and play. But also, I'm a human person. Like, I'm not just some somebody you can just drag around or, like... Yeah, you're not just there to win tournaments and yeah. kick the ball. Like, you are getting an education. You have other yeah. stuff going on in your life. Yeah. And it's hard to balance it, and you didn't feel like you had the necessary support to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. Like, that sucks. <laughs> and then just being, like, having to sit on the sidelines and struggle with your mental health, watch, watch people play, watch, watch you guys lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I'm not helping. I'm not contributing. Yeah. But you're still going to practice, you're still putting in the same time commitment, and you're getting nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. So I can completely understand where you're coming from. Like, that would hurt my feelings, too. <laughs> yeah, and soccer is a sport where you have to have four key components. It's tactical, technical, physical, but research have discovered, like... of that is your mental. So it's like, as soon as you have the tactical down, you're good. Technical, you're good. Those are not, those are something you can learn. That's something you could train. Physical, just get stronger, hit the gym. I don't care. Hit the gym. I don't care if I push you over, hit the gym. That's not a foul. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then mental is the last component. And this is like from my coach from years. Like he's coached me since eighth grade. He's like put this in my mind. Like mental is such a key component of the game and if you're lacking mentally then you're not going to perform as well i don't care if you have physical technical tactical down if you're lacking mentally you will not succeed as well as you would if you had a good mental state and that's why programs with good that are good they focus on their mental like stanford they have they have they check in i read this the other day they check in with their athletes every day ask them how they're feeling like they make them feel loved and that's why programs who like have a good chemistry good bonding good coaches good like bonds with the coach that's why they succeed more that's why george mason lost every game except for howard this last semester Mm, that's really telling you think (laughs) i do i do think because i talk to the freshmen there now and because when i was there as a freshman last year i had to Talked so I was like struggling with my mental health, trying to balance school, but also she left it up to the freshmen who were just being who were just being introduced to this new college life, trying to balance everything. She made the freshmen walk the recruits around, do everything. Like I like sometimes it would be like six hours I'd be with the recruits and be like, What am I gonna do my homework? Like, I don't have time for this and it's like I couldn't really be honest with the recruits I felt like because they were like because it's like threatening like you're threatening to get cut it's a threat to like get kicked off lose your money like all of it and it's like I can't I felt like I couldn't really speak out or do much because I've <laughs> I was scared I was I'm gonna be honest I was scared to lose my money I was scared to lose a spot on the team and yeah I wasn't playing but it's still like fun being part of a team and I just was scared to lose that and eventually I realized like I shouldn't be scared and that I should um make a change just so I can feel better and I and I do and I do yeah there's a big power dynamic involved in that Mm -hmm. because these people are basically like controlling your life for those four years like you do what the coaches say without a question Mm -hmm. and when you have like 
disagreements or you want to be honest with them it's hard because at the end of the day they're still your coach like one wrong move and you're not playing for the next six months Mm -hmm. and you saying that like it got better in the spring think about it like it's off season yeah so a lot of that definitely had a part to play in it but that's when that's when we just started running for no reason like we were we were doing track workouts as a soccer team and it's like we shouldn't be working on sprinting we should be working on endurance and that's when I was like yeah this I was like she doesn't know what she's doing I was like I need to get out of there that's when it clicked in my brain I was like I'm not even happy here why am I here like Mm. and I felt sad like I felt so extremely sad because making friends there those are like one of like those are like like, with our group those are like the best friendships I've like had like the bonds that I have at George Mason like I still go back there because I only live like an hour away but the bonds that I made there it was so sad to leave but I knew I had to benefit like prioritize my mental health over everything because that's what's contributing yeah and with being a part of the athletics department like that's majority of your community you know the wrestling team the soccer team the men's team the football yeah baseball wrestling swimming dive (laughs) lacrosse like everyone and we're in we're all in the field house it's literally you see everyone so it's like you're gonna you're gonna make friends with them like you're gonna see them you're gonna see them outside you're gonna see them socially you're gonna see them in the dorms like I literally like and my mom was like you need to make friends with people outside of soccer outside of athletics so your whole life won't be in athletics and I think that really helped me too because my mom once my mom said that I was like she has a point because sometimes I really just be ignoring my mom but she had a point this time because I was like (laughs) I was like she's right like my whole life is athletics and I didn't want it to be like soccer has been a big part of my identity growing up you know and um I knew like I had to like get make friends out of soccer join clubs do something to distract myself from like because athletics was the main reason why I was depressed and I was like because I liked the school I liked my teachers I liked the classes that I was taking like I didn't mind that it was athletics which is like it's 50%, but it's more than that because what you do in college is basically around your sport. Like, oh, I can't do this because I have soccer. And then say, I can't do this because I did it. And it's like, it's such a big thing. And I'm like, I can't even go to the Cheesecake Factory with my friends at night because I have soccer the next morning. And I thought that was crazy. And I was like, that's, that's not fair. Like, I should be able to have a social life without um, being punished for it. You know what I mean? How would you go about signing with the school differently if you were to redo it senior year of high school? What would you be looking for? And what do you think would have helped you been better equipped to make your decision? I think I would need to know the coach a lot better than I did when I committed to George Mason. Um, when I committed to George Mason, she had been named head coach literally two weeks before. And that's when she contacted me because she had seen me play before, because she originally coached at Marymount, and, but she just got um, hired as the head coach at George Mason, and she reached out to me, like, hey, have you decided on a school yet? And I was like, no. And I have, like, I've she's seen me play for four years. She's seen me play since I was a freshman in high school, which I was not the best at that time. So she's seen me, like, over the years, 
And that's kind of what I trusted because she's seen me. I felt like she knew me, my style of play. She knew what I was going to do when I got there. She knew how I was going to play when I got there. She knew how I was going to act when I got there. She saw me as captain on my uh, club team. So she knew that I, she knew how I acted. She knew me. For four, after watching a play for four years, you know them. Like, it's hard not to. And that's kind of what I trusted because the other like, schools I was talking to, they hadn't seen me play um, for four years. They only saw me, like, my senior year when COVID um, stopped. Because I almost did, I almost committed to Campbell before that, because I liked the coach, but she, I, but she didn't really know me as well as the George Mason, and I was like, okay. But for the future, I'd say I'd look at the coach a lot more. I would talk to the girls a lot more than I did. I think I was just excited that um, I was overexcited because it's like, oh, this coach wants me. Oh, she's offering me. Oh, and it's like once you get your like first offer it's exciting but then you keep getting them and it's it's still exciting so it's like it's like jumping out at you but I think I'd have to look at my coaches and the school and the players a lot more in depth and I I would do more research than I would because I didn't because I can't after I transfer uh one time to a school I can't transfer again if I do transfer again I'd have to sit out a year and I already have sat out a year so I don't want to do that I want to pick a best school that's also why I committed to Anderson Community College because uh I didn't want to rush the recruitment process because I did want to be at a I'd rather be at a school at home than go to school somewhere and stay there and be unhappy again yeah because once you make the decision this time it's kind of final Mm -hmm. and so if anything were to happen it the decision would be just to not play soccer anymore right yeah and I think like transferring is a lot to do for anyone just to make that decision to be like I'm not happy here I need to leave I need to find the better school for me which is the best fit yeah and as a student athlete there's just so many factors involved in that which is especially hard and you being home for a year also like kind of give you a completely different college experience and like to be clear Elise was not home (laughs) playing soccer she was home doing schoolwork and like playing soccer recreationally mm-hmm. and I think like I've watched you fall back in love with the sport after just having such a oh, traumatic a, such a traumatic experience I have and it's like you're excited about soccer again and I really want you to have a good experience wherever you choose next because I know it means a lot to you and yeah. the things it's done for you like as a person like soccer is who I am like I express myself through my sport like when I'm angry I don't really Sydney knows I don't really like (laughs) get mad I kind of just like let it sit and then when I play it kind of all comes out and it's like it's like a it's like kind of like an art like it's just like when I'm on the field I just love it so much I love the field I love playing I love the sport in general I love watching soccer I love playing soccer I love playing soccer games like soccer is who I am and when I can't express myself that way it's frustrating like it's it makes me mad it makes me angry and I and when I can't let that out on the field I don't know what else I'm supposed to do with it so it just like sits but when I started when I came back at ACC I chose the only um I chose not to play there um, because I just wanted to reset and I needed to discover my confidence again, low key, because my last coach at George Mason did take my confidence away. And that is the worst thing you can do for a player, take away their confidence because they will never want to play again. And 
I started playing recreationally. My friend Brady actually told me to come out and play <laughs> with him, and I was like, okay. And that was like my first time playing in like three months, and I was like, holy crap, I still want to play. I was like, I love it. I'm excited. And so I started playing every Sunday again. Then I started, then it turned into every Sunday and Thursday, and then I started going to practices again, <laughs> and I kind of just fell back in love with the sport, and that's when I decided that I want to play. I do have to make a decision by May 1st, so <laughs> that's coming up pretty quick. I'm going to take some visits and try to decide what I want to do, but yeah, I did fall back in love with the sport, and I do enjoy it. It was just, I have to enjoy it at the right school. Yeah. And I think that, like, you're definitely more mature now. Yeah. And sure. coming out of the pandemic, too, I, f- I know, like, a lot of our friends, because our class got screwed over, but <laughs> I know a lot of our friends were also having the same issue. They just had so many offers that they didn't know which to choose and it's like we didn't really have time to make that decision mm-hmm. i felt like i didn't have time to make the decision i was yeah, even playing a sport schools. Exactly. Like, we couldn't even visit schools i was like how am i supposed to know where i'm going to college if i can't even visit the school is <laughs> that like you can't get you can't get a feel for it yeah. properly it's not the same as a stupid virtual tour i'm like i don't want to see this virtually i Dude. need to see it physically exactly and it's like all the little like fun facts and snippets okay like can't where like where is this i don't know what i'm looking at (laughs) this random place yeah no idea what i was looking at at all i was just like oh this is nice i think i was like tapping through and i was like i was like oh they have a (laughs) chick-fil-a i was like i think i can find that at any school but that's cool i guess so on campus did you have like any like particular like race issues like being black and an athlete on campus like was it ever an issue for you i i'm not sure because i was basically in my own world Mm. so but i did know that there was very little black athletes that i could make friends with because lacrosse team was almost all white softball was almost all white like soccer we had like three black girls in the fall including me no black girls in the spring because they graduated uh wrestling barely any black guys like i was at a pwi but it was a pwi (laughs) like i was at a pwi like i would see black people around campus and there were clubs and frats and sororities for black girls or fraternities my bad um um, <laughs> but I couldn't join those so it was hard to connect with other like not even just black athletes but just black like people in general and I was just like I think I just I grew up around white people all my life like at school in my neighborhood everywhere and I'm grateful for like all the experiences that my mom has provided me because it did get me a higher education and it, it like um I was set up really well to succeed, but also it was kind of like that missing community for me in college, and I think if I had that, it would have been less. Like, my friend Jalen, who I've known since middle school, she was uh, she went to George Mason, and I barely got to saw her, see her. I saw her more when we came home for spring break in summer. I saw her more when we came home than at school, which I thought was a big issue. Like, I would see her on the way to class, maybe, but every time I was at the dining hall, I was like, I can only be there for so long because I had study hall, I had I had practice, I had school. Like, I felt like I was always doing something, and I never had time to, like... And when I did, when I did have a social life, it was, I didn't know any black people to go out with or to, like, have fun with. So I would just go out with my teammates, and and, and I just, like... 
when I went, when I talk about my social life, it was like an athletic social life. Like we would go to baseball house, we would go to volleyball house, we would go anywhere. But um, I couldn't really connect with the black people. I would say, which really was upsetting because I didn't have time to, and I also like just didn't have a space to connect with them really, except for like clubs and stuff. And I like I couldn't do that. So it wasn't a race thing. I would say in athletics. But I would say, like, I was missing a huge part of my identity mm-hmm. there. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any racial encounters. Um, I did. I do know my friend, Dashka. She did have a couple of racial encounters with our um, our assistant coach. Like, one time uh, before a game, we're not supposed to get any, like, cheesy soup things or whatever. I don't know. And we went to Panera, and this girl, she was white. She got cheese, uh, cheddar and broccoli soup or whatever that's called. Yeah. And Dashka got the same thing, but only Dashka got yelled at. And I was really confused about that because they didn't start her because of that, but they started another, the white girl. And I was so confused. And Dashka was mad. And I was like, you have every right to be mad. And so when she addressed it, they kind of just shut her down. Like, oh, that's not happening. And then it happened again at practice two weeks later where she was getting singled out for no reason when um a white girl on our team was doing the same thing. And I was like, that's not right. But... It didn't happen to me, so I didn't really have much to say about it, but I know Dashka would because uh, she was at that school for four years with that coach, and I didn't really talk to her about it. Well, sometimes we did, but I know she uh, she did feel singled out, and it was because of her race. I did know that. Yeah. I imagine that was especially isolating yeah. because you don't have like that sense of community outside of athletics Mm -hmm. and so all your friends are also athletes struggling through the same thing they're on a similar schedule and that yeah (laughs) i was struggling in black you it's it's a compounding type of thing Mm -hmm. like your mental health is crappy Mm -hmm. you have no one to talk to and it's just like people don't necessarily like get it completely Mm -hmm. because they just it's it's not like oh they understand but they don't understand and like my mom my mom is a delta she's in delta sigma theta and her uh one of her line sisters who she's really good friends with who i know was the president who started deltas at um george mason so like i could i could be a delta if i wanted to there um but i know she had them reach out to me and like we started texting, but I could never see them. Like I knew we could, like I could talk to them, but I could never see them. Like oh, at least we're going here. I couldn't go, so I was like, so I kind of just felt like, like it was just like a like I was texting them from like California or something. Like oh, it was, dang. it was just it was just awful. I was just like oh, I want to go, but I can't. Like and it's like we had a um, no drinking rule on my team, but. Um, it's like anywhere we go, people would assume we were drinking. And I was like, so I couldn't even go anywhere, really. I feel like, especially spring semester, even though it was our off-season, she was harder on us than on our off-season while, than while we were in season. And I was like, I can't even go anywhere without the pres- presumption that I'm going to be drinking or something. And I was like, that's so messed up. Like, I couldn't even go to the Cheesecake Factory for my friend's birthday. Like, I was, I was really mad about that. And... I just wanted to express myself more. It sounds like your team was especially hard to live through because these people are your friends, but they're also your competition on the field. Mm -hmm. And you don't have necessarily separation from that because you go home with them. You, your roommate was a teammate 
and my whole floor was filled with my teammates <laughs> my floor was filled with the freshman teammates and i think it's also messed up because like these are supposed to be your friends but they were also riding you out for certain stuff yeah. and it's like are we actually a team or are you trying to act like we're competition right now it was more of see that's the thing like we did have snitches on our team but they were snitching and lying that was the thing because I know my friend got snitched on, and she didn't even do that. And I was like, once once that happened, that happened in the end of fall, um, during the end of season meeting. So once that happened, I really chose, like, who my real friends were on the team, which was very little. Like, I talked to maybe four girls on the team, like, outside of soccer, and I would just talk to the rest during soccer. Or, like, if I see them in a social setting, I would talk to them. But the people I connected with were, like, four people, not even my roommate. Like, it was, it's hard being friends with someone you can't trust. And it's hard playing with people you can't trust. So it's, like, it trans, everything that happened off the field, it always transfers on the field. You can see it. Like, you can see it every time. And so once that happened, like, our team was never the same. I felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt isolated. I felt like me and my friends were just, like, all we could do was sit in our dorms, our houses. And, like, yeah, we still went out, but there was always, like, oh, what if this happens? What if this happens? Like, there was always something on our mind. Like, and and, and it's scary. Like, we played in fear. And I, it's, it's bad to say that, but we did. Like, we did things out of fear of being cut, of losing our money. And, like, that's really how we function, like, throughout the semester, both semesters, actually. Because, um, and I think that fear aspect wasn't, wasn't really necessarily the healthiest for our team but it's it's what happened and it's what's happening now and it's happening with a lot of programs across the country and I think it's really sad but um it's it's how it's wired and it's hard to change if I'm being honest it's hard to change because once you're that beer aspect is gone the players will feel like they can't do anything they want but I think that's what the coaches think but we're all there because we want to win. Mm-hmm. Like, we all, we are playing our sport in college. I was at a D1 athletics program because we want to win. Like, it doesn't matter what division you are. Anybody who commits to play in college, they're not committing to play just to fool around. Like, we're playing to win. Like, we want to win an NCAA championship. We want to win our A-10s. Like, we want to win our league. And it's like, I don't think the coaches understand that because they think if they just, like, if they're relaxed, then maybe we won't, like, do what they say. But you're our coach. Like, when I see you as an authority figure, I'm going to do what you say no matter what. And it's, But it's also a respect thing. And once I don't have respect for you as a coach, yeah, I'll do what you say. But I won't, I won't respect it. Like, <laughs> I won't. And that's when, once you lose the respect of your players, that's when the team goes downhill. And I think that's also what happened at George Mason as well. Yeah, it sounds like there's, like, a breakdown on both sides from mm-hmm. within the team and then the coaches and everything mm-hmm. and it's like that really is upsetting to think that like oh your your supposed friends are gonna tell on you for going to hang out with your other friends teammates yeah your <laughs> yeah your teammates are gonna tell on you for you and your other teammates hanging out and doing stuff and then lying on your name yes. and putting your your playing time your scholarship all at risk yes. and then the practices too because i know you guys get punished in practice <laughs> They're running. They're running. <laughs> They're running. Oh, my goodness. We ran so much. I remember we ran, like, I think it was, like, 48 laps, and it was before a game. And it wasn't even, like, a punishment. It was just our running. And I was, and then we lost the game because we couldn't feel our legs. And I was like, why are you doing this? Because you never ran that much before. So I knew something had happened where someone snitched because it wasn't like nobody said anything, but it was, like, an unsaid thing because we had never run 48 laps before in our life. 
like our legs and it was like we would run we would run four laps and then rest for like a minute and then run again and I was like when is this over like people were crying I had a heat stroke it was it was crazy but um yeah so (laughs) the running the running was also a threat and out of and they caused fear too on the team so I think it was that and it was like oh like if you snitch and you won't be part of it but everyone ran once (laughs) so I don't understand that at all do you want to talk about your injury and how that made you feel like so just go through it so I did get injured my spring semester I think it was our third spring game um (laughs) it's a nasty video everybody usually gags when they see the video uh my knee I planted and I turned to run back on transition back to defense because I do play midfield um and I don't know I guess my leg didn't turn with me and my knee like went backwards like it completely like inverted and I just remember pain just shooting through my knee me crying my mom coming down the field like the trainer taking care of me and I was like okay okay but once I was injured it felt like they were always going to see me as injured it didn't matter how much rehab I did how how well I did in practice how well I did on my times on my runs like it didn't matter it felt like I still was injured and uh, once that happened in the spring it's like they limited my playing time even when the trainer cleared me I wasn't playing as much as I did before in the spring and I mean that really hurt because like once a player works so hard to come back from an injury especially a knee injury it was my MCL that I sprained which uh I was a centimeter away uh you can see it on the um MRI, yeah, on the MRI that I was a centimeter away from, oh, I, thought you were <laughs> I was a centimeter away from tearing my ACL, so I was out for about two to three weeks, and that was hard, just watching everyone play, everyone be able to walk, I was on, I was in a brace, I was on crutches, like, I could, I could even have a social life at that point, and I think that really destroyed, um, that was, like, the final factor like, I was just, that completely destroyed my mental health. I was, like, I was in my room. I couldn't really go to the dining hall. People were bringing me food. I couldn't really get out of my dorm because it just hurt to walk. And I was, like, okay. And I was just watching, like, everybody play, have fun, like, do whatever. And, yeah, people were helping me and, like, doing, helping me to the best they can. But I didn't really feel included because the activities we did, I couldn't do. The practices we did, I couldn't practice. And then... Uh, once I came back, I worked really hard to get back. Like, I was going to rehab um, twice every day because I just really wanted to get better. And, yeah, it did hurt. Like, rehab does hurt, of course. But I was just so focused on wanting to play again. And once I got better, like, I played again. But I played, like, maybe five minutes out of a half. I was like, I'm not, like, it's, there's no point. And, like, I was just done. And then towards the end of the season... Um, of our spring season, I didn't really get that much playing time as well, and then that was my final straw. I was like, I can't be here. My end of the season meeting, I was like, I want to join the transfer portal. I told them everything, like how I felt, and they didn't really address it. They just said, we're sorry you feel this way, and I was like, when you say you're sorry to someone, it shouldn't be, I'm sorry you feel this way. It should be apologizing for your actions, not placating a player's feelings, you know what I mean? So, that happened and then after my meeting she ended up cutting like half of our team and left our team down to nine people because she like recruited 22 freshmen which I thought is crazy yeah like 
every other coach in the country was like, what the heck is she doing? Like committing 22 freshmen because also it's not when you're playing in college athletics, it's also about experience. Like, you know what's going to happen when you get on that field. Like, that's why freshmen barely play. Like, some freshmen play. You earn your spot. Yeah, you have to earn your spot. And it's like once you're, like, you have 22 freshmen coming in, I think, like, maybe there was two upperclassmen on the field this past year at George Mason, and the rest were freshmen. And once you, like, if you don't have that experience of the upperclassmen to lead people on the field, Mm -hmm. then you're just, the program's going to, like, (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna crumble like I it does yeah so with your knee injury your body is essentially what they're paying you for mm-hmm. and so I I can't imagine how having that like breakdown must have been like because your body isn't doing what it's supposed to anymore and you needed to heal and it doesn't sound like you got the necessary support from the coaches and administrative team for um George Mason women's soccer to help you recover and get back to where you needed to be and so doing that alone is something that you shouldn't have to have done and then when you're transferring the fact that they didn't even like communicate with you they basically shut you off Mm -hmm. shut you down and we're like okay bye thanks it really goes to show how they viewed you as a person and how they didn't care and I'm glad you got out of that situation because you are putting your body on the line. You only have one body. This is the same body you're going to have in the next 20, 40 years. You're, you're literally getting injured, getting hurt, playing a sport, and potentially like not even looking at playing after college either. So this is really just for the next couple of years. And you made this big commitment. College is supposed to be, quote unquote, the best time of our lives. And you're struggling and you weren't getting what you needed. Yeah. That was awful. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it simple. That was awful. It was awful. It was awful, like, watching my body, like, not being able to do everything. Because I'm not, Cindy knows, I'm not very injury prone. Like, I've had very little injuries in my career. Because you're in shape. Yeah. And it's like, I I think the only one I had before was spreading my MCL on my left side in high school, but that wasn't as bad as college. I was out for maybe, like, a week or so, but um, I'm not a very injury-prone person. Like, I don't get injured. Like, nothing on my body gets injured. I'm, I don't really get sick often either, actually, now that I think about it. I'm a very healthy person, so once that happened, and it happened in a setting where I wasn't comfortable in, that was also, like, the awful, the awful part. It was just, it was awful. It was traumatic. It hurt so bad watching people play. It hurt my heart. It hurt my mental state. It just, it hurt. And I was like, all right, smile through the pain. Just keep going. Encourage them. Encourage my teammates. And it's fun encouraging your teammates, but it's also to a point where it's like, I want to play. I want to be on the field. Like, yeah, I can encourage you all I want, but I can't play because my, my knee. Like, it's hard just watching it happen. Even, like, when I was watching, like, my friend's games or something, like, I, I want to play. I want to be on that field. But it is very, very hard and very hard on your mental health to watch that happen as you're injured Mm -hmm. what advice do you have for black student athletes getting recruited and choosing schools how do you think they should go about it what can they learn from your experience in hopes of doing better I think they should ask hard the hard questions and it doesn't matter if they make the coach uncomfortable 
what is it like for black players on your team? What is it like for black players around the school? Like, you need to ask those questions. I don't care how uncomfortable it might be, but you definitely 100% need to ask those questions. That's something I wish I did. And my mom did ask those questions, but they didn't really go in depth. I was just excited about the school. But you yourself need to ask those questions. You need to uh, text the black people on your team, ask them how it is. Like, that's um, something I'm doing now with my recruiting process. I ask the black players on the team, oh, how is it going? like what is what about the program because they'll be honest with you like if a black girl reached out to me at George Mason I would have been honest with her and it's like it's not even like because of a race thing but it is it is like there's always it's a race community thing. yeah yeah and I'm like it's not gossiping it's just being honest about what you're getting yourself into and whether you think that you can handle it and whether the school's the right fit for you mm-hmm. and I think just they really just need to ask the tough questions that's that's it. You really just need to ask the tough questions when you're, especially in the recruiting process. That's essential. Get to know your coach. Get to know your coach very well. Um, if you don't like the coach, do not go there. It doesn't matter how good the school is. Do not go there if you don't like your coach, especially during the recruiting process, because that's when they're supposed to be the nicest, the best. That's when they. <laughs> <laughs> that's when they pull you in and they're like, they're selling oh, yeah, you, you the school. This, you get this. You get this, and then you get there, and it's like. Okay, well, they lied. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would say asking the um, harder questions is my advice to other black student athletes out there. <laughs> yeah. it's At the end of the day, it's all a business. Yeah. They're buying you, basically. Sorry. Yeah. A little, little slavery <laughs> reference. But they're buying you. And you want, like, you're still a person. Whether they forget it while you're on the field, while you're in practice, you are still a person. Your thoughts, your opinions, your emotions matter. And it gets hard to remember that. Like, I thought it was normal what I was going through, but I was talking to my friends from high school who were at college programs. Like, my friends, I go to Temple. They were like, at least that's not normal. Like, you shouldn't be feeling this way. Your coach shouldn't be treating you like that. And I was like, oh okay because it's like i've never had an experience like this before i thought this was just how college is like mm-hmm. and i was talking to my friends from like tampa women's soccer and like uh western illinois women's soccer and uh st mary's college i was like they're all having the time of their lives and i'm over here like depressed <laughs> and i'm like this isn't fair i was <laughs> and i just wanted to i just wanted it to be like how my friends were experiencing it but you know, it's my experience. I've learned from it. I've grown from it. I can help others with it. Like, I'm better mentally now. Like, I see a therapist, like, and not even just a sports therapist, a regular one. And I think she really helped me move on. She's helped me find a love for the game again. And I'm, I'm really scared about my future in soccer. I'm really scared to go to my next school. Like, I'm beyond scared, but I know it's like a passion of mine. And it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And it shouldn't be like how it was at George Mason, but it was. And all I can do is learn from it now. And I had you guys that I talked to at the end of the semester because I was struggling. Eventually. (laughs) Yeah, I was struggling so bad. I couldn't even text my best friends. Like, it was that bad. Struggling in silence at that. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah, guys, everything's good. And I would, like, post and I'd be like, oh, yeah, college is so fun. But I was really struggling through the roughest time of my life and Sydney didn't even know <laughs> it's like social media too because we'll see Elise post it's like oh she's doing stuff she's out but then she's not able to text us because she's busy and just 
in practice at school and I felt bad i felt bad but also like i would come out of practice and i'd have like 120 messages no. and i'd be like i can't even read this because i was just like on the way to study hall mentally exhausted and yeah. i completely get it but it was i it's just hard is what i'm saying it's like we were from the outside looking in and we had no idea and so if it does get this bad please tell someone tell someone that can actually do something because at least was bad to the point where she couldn't even tell anyone like that's how bad it was she wasn't telling anyone and, and that's scary and that's scary yeah. i was just giving so much of my energy to other things it's like i had i was so depressed i had very little energy to do so it's like the energy i did have it was soccer school um my social life i was like because once I, like, I kind of let off my release and stress with my social life, but once they really took that away in the spring, it just got worse. And I was just, like, in my dorm crying, like, in, in the dark, like, just crying. Like, I just, uh it was just awful. And I couldn't really talk about it because I didn't have time to talk about it because it got so bad that if I were to talk about it, I'd have to tell Sydney and, like, my friends the whole story, and that would have took forever (laughs) that would have took forever just to tell him how bad it was like yeah from the outside yeah i'm not playing and yeah that's hard but there are so many other internal factors going on within that program that nobody knows about or nobody knew about and it was just it was hard because none of us could really talk about it It it's kind of like oh we just all suffer yeah we're just all suffering and it's like it shouldn't be that way you know so i was like why are we all suffering i'm leaving but <laughs> yeah. I, I can just leave. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't to diss George Mason. Like, at least yes, it's to diss George Woman's Women's Soccer and yeah. the athletic department. But George Mason has a school. Yeah. That's, uh, it's different. I did this thing. Um, I signed up. Uh, somebody reached out for me to sign up for this VidSig thing. It's called VidSig, V-I-D-S-I-G. Um, you can look it up on the App Store. And people pay $25 to talk to me as an athlete. So it's kind of like that. I was, um, And I, people would pay $25 to talk to me for like 30 minutes. And I would just, I would be honest with them, especially since they were black, because I had a lot of black girls like mm-hmm. requesting to uh, talk to me. And I also had to make time for that, but I didn't mind making time for that. Like, I was excited to make time for that because I want to help and advise others. And it wasn't even, like, regular students were just talking to me. And I would just talk to them about the regular experience. I wouldn't bring up my soccer experience because I wouldn't want that to discourage them. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not dissing George Mm -hmm. Mason as a school. It's just the athletics department specifically. Yeah, and I love George Mason as a school. Like, the campus was the size I wanted. It took me 15 minutes to get to my farthest class. Like, the campus was the size I wanted. I like my professors. IT majoring is hard because it is a very um, intense engineering school. I was actually surprised I got into the engineering program. (laughs) But um, uh, IT program is hard, but challenging classes that I'm passionate about, I don't mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, I like the school. I did. I generally like the school. And I like my friends there. The dorms were, the dorms were okay. Like, they were fine. Um, The dining hall was really good, guys, by the way. (laughs) Dining hall was so good. I was there. Sydney knows. I was there, like, Um, (laughs) 24-7. So the school was good. It was just, like, the program. You have to, like, Mm -hmm. you have to disassociate. Yeah. Yeah, Because if if you're not playing a sport, this isn't for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to play a sport at whatever school I'm going to. Like, that's a done deal. That's the lens you need to have. Yeah, that's a done deal. So it's, like, really just finding a program that I like plus a school. But there's a lot of schools that I like. It's just the programs. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find one that's for you. Yeah. 
Is there anything else you'd like to share? Are you good? Hey, shout out, follow Elise on Instagram. <laughs> Elise.Lartigue. Cindy's gonna put it in the bio. Yeah, this this post is this this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Elise's Instagram. Go go ahead and follow. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Elise, for coming and speaking about your experience. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. Okay, school is out of session. Thank you again for listening to Black to School. The main takeaway from this episode is to take care of yourself and be honest with yourself about your situation. If you're interested in getting recruited for school as an athlete, please do your research and look into what school fits you best. And try not to get caught up in the school's division either. A 2008 study published in the journal Black Psychology reported on the various mental health barriers for black college football players in the Northeast. They felt unwelcomed on campus, off campus, and on their very own teams. Obviously, this is not true for all schools, but it is important to do the research. The emotional and environmental stressors will weigh you down and ultimately impact your athletic performance. Mental health in athletes is an ongoing conversation that requires more and more attention. 7.3% of all college athletes' deaths were by suicide. It's almost 1 in 100,000 every year. It could be zero with the right changes made to athletic programs. That's all for this episode. Tune into the next one where I'm joined by Jaden Hayes, a mental health activist attending Emory University, where we discuss imposter syndrome and more.